can we really just have a real conversation about the overall evilness going on in the USA right now? It's honestly just ah, perfect corruptness. This month, or at the end of this month, there are millions of Americans that are facing eviction. Literally, CNBC posted an article saying that up to 28 million people could face eviction this month. 28 million. There's literally this picture going around on Twitter that shows like renters and it goes state by state and shows you the percentage of renters that could be actually kicked out because they can't pay rent. Nowhere's lower than 20%. Some states, I believe like Virginia, 50% of renters could face eviction. Now, why could they face eviction? Basically, we all know that COVID happened. People can't work. People cannot go back to work and make money. We know that stimulus checks have gone out. And federally, so far, only a 1,200 stimulus check has gone out. Now, contrast this to other countries like Canada, where federally there is a CERB program, and this gives every Canadian $2,000 a month if they've been relieved from their job because of COVID. $2,000 a month since the start of COVID. Compare that to the states where only $1,200 has gone out since the start of COVID. Just beautiful corruptness at its finest. Now, of course, the states has beautiful things such as unemployment programs where some people have been getting up to like $600. I can't remember if it's a, it's a, every two weeks or it's a month. I can't remember. But there's thinking of cutting that down from $600 to $200. And of course, another act is coming out. Um, and in this act, they're thinking about another $1,200 stimulus, which of course is clearly not enough. The states is also thinking about enacting like a payroll um, deduction tax, basically, or withholding payroll tax, basically, meaning that people who work now won't be taxed as much and they'll save money that way. However, we all know and all of the research has shown that a bunch of the jobs during COVID aren't coming back. So what about all the people in between jobs that literally cannot go back to work because America's COVID numbers are spiking? Now, the thing that makes this beautiful corruptness so just magical and the millions of people going homeless so magical is that there is an absolute political battle going on in Congress that's happening right now. The Democrats generally want more money for people, and the Republicans generally want less money for people. However, the Republicans are getting these things known as earmarks. Basically, it's their way of bargaining different things in the bill, and they're getting a lot of things in the bill that our Democrats will have to concede on and give the Republicans um, leeway to put in the bill if they want the Republicans to agree to a bill to get out. It's weird things like things such as higher tax deductions for corporate meals. Like it just seems like there's a lot of things in this bill that 
don't necessarily really attach and attack the problem of COVID and just help big corporations really unnecessarily. Now, of course, the Republican Party is always more of like the pro pro company, pro work, and they want everyone to get back to work and everyone to go back to school. But there is this immense wealth transfer that's going on where we can clearly see that people are about to get evicted in droves and the rich are actually going to profit off it because what are we sick, twisted investors looking at right now? With the mass amounts of millions of households um, getting evicted, if you're in the market for buying a house that's $200,000 or cheaper, literally you can buy houses by the bunch load. Just imagine the company that has a $100 million fund. They could just go to one of these cities where that's really getting affected by COVID, buy like a hundred houses that are $200,000, you know, take on massive debt and buy a bunch of these houses. And they could like be just crazy big landlords as homeowners leave. And if you don't think people are actually going to go homeless, you just have to think about what happened in 2008. Now, there is this big notion that black people issues don't affect white people. There's this big misconception that if something is a Black Lives Matter issue or if it's a black issue, then white people are doing a favor by getting into and understand what's affecting black communities. But what is happening and the pattern that's happening in America and always has happened in America is that things that affect the black community eventually affect poor whites and eventually even lower middle class whites. One of the best examples is, of course, the crack epidemic. The crack epidemic ravaged the states, especially the black community. And now we're seeing today where fentanyl and these pills are ravaging the poor white communities. Also, what we seen in 2008 specifically was black wealth left the black community in droves, like absolute droves because of things called subprime mortgages. So when you think about a mortgage in general, um, a mortgage you borrow at a prime rate is usually prime plus a number or it's exactly at prime. Basically, this is like the cheapest rate bank can give you money. It's like the cheapest rate they can give you. Right. However, black people because of things like redlining and things like discrimination, they technically a lot of times have to pay subprime mortgage prices, which just means you pay higher interest rates based, usually based on your credit history. But a lot of times it's simply based on the fact that you're black. Matter of fact, there was a study, I think it was released by, um, let's see, uh, was it the New York Post? I think it was this, uh, yeah, it was the prospect.org dropped a study that showed or reported on a study that showed that at a credit rating of 660, only 6% of white people had to get subprime mortgages in comparison, 20% of black people at that same credit rating literally had to get subprime mortgages. And a lot of these subprime mortgages are variable, which means that 
in 2008, when the interest rates start to go crazy, black people can no longer afford their houses because their mortgage payments go up. Now, why are interest rates or mortgage rates a big deal or these primaries a big deal? If you have a $500,000 house and your mortgage is 2%, um, I can't even do that math. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I know this is an investing channel. I can't do that math off the top of my head. But as I try, let's see, 2% of 500000 I'm going to guess is, is that like $1,000? I'm not even going to try it. That's like $10,000. Yeah, it's like $10,000 a year, I think. So $10,000 a year is your interest payment for your mortgage every year. So before you even start paying off your principal, which is that $500,000 you borrowed, the interest on top of that 500000 means you need to pay an additional $10,000 in mortgage um, every year just to make sure you pay off the interest. Not your principal, just your interest. Now, if your mortgage rate goes up from 2% to 4%, all of a sudden, you're no longer paying $10,000 a year. You're paying $20,000 a year. So for some people, their mortgage nearly goes up by 50% or even doubles when the interest rates in the country start to go up, especially for these variable type loans, especially for these subprime mortgages. When a recession happens, um, black people are more susceptible to these uh, mortgages, which means a lot of them had to get evicted during the housing crisis. And to this date, the wealth that left the black community specifically, even in upper middle class and middle class black communities, it did not return. Like it never returned. There was never any government correction for this. The big banks got crazy bailouts at the end of 2000, 2010. But the average Americans like yourself or others did not receive anything from the crazy derivative products in Wall Street going bankrupt. Super corrupt, super corrupt. Basically, the taxpayers bailed out the banks, but the taxpayers could not bail out themselves from no fault at their own. And what's happening now is millions of Americans, no fault of their own because COVID happened, they lost their job and they can't get any work are going to be unable to pay their rent. And there's going to be a lot of people who are kicked out of their houses because they have corporate landlords, some people, or some people's landlords don't want to hold that bill or can't even hold the bill and they'll start the eviction process. It's going to be a dark, dark time. Right now, what's essentially happening in America and really over the world is about of game theory. Game theory basically says this. There are multiple options you can do in life. Some of them will give you the most optimal outcome. They'll make you be able to get the best option. But some options you have in life give you a more guaranteed option. For instance, if you're in a prisoner, or sorry, if you and your friend get caught for doing a crime, you could 
not tell on your friends. And if he doesn't tell, none of you guys go to jail. But if you end up telling something, then you're more likely to stay out of jail. So that is your more guaranteed option. And that's the option that most people will do, even though it's not the most optimal option where none of you guys say anything. This is essentially game theory. And what's happening on the bigger aspect of the world is you look at places like Saudi Arabia, where they have this massive oil company and they don't technically need the labor of all their citizens. They don't need all of their citizens to create great jobs. And because of this, because of this, the people who control the means of production and the capital become absolutely rich. Like the the Saudi princes are ruthlessly rich. And in the short term, until their oil runs out or until the world becomes um, less oil dependent, they're going to be super rich. But as soon as the oil starts running out, then the wealth of their economy starts to go down. And now they really have to diversify. So instead of spreading that wealth out early and in really trying to increase their capital, their GDP per capita early, they hoarded their wealth at their country's demise, but their own benefits. But in the long term, they're going to have to pay for it. And that's what's happening in America. If you are a rich person, if you are a billionaire, let's say you're a a congressman, let's say you're a politician, let's say you're a company owner, it is in your best interest in the short term to hoard the wealth, hoard the power, and not try to diversify that money by helping impoverished communities or impoverished American citizens who are struggling in hard times. While this helps you in the short term, for a lot of people, the short term being the rest of their lives, in the long term benefit of America, it would make more sense to invest in these impoverished communities or invest in its citizens that are losing its its homes on no fault of their own. However, in the short term, evilness is prevailing. But as I have always been strongly advocate as soon as I heard him speak. I'm a huge proponent of Andrew Yang. And I think if eventually America comes to some sort of universal basic income where every American, just like a dividend, just like a company dividend, gets $1,000 a month, I think that could move to a much stronger direction. And as always, the best, most brightest investors are the uneducated ones. And that's because the uneducated investor, they never stop learning.